Hey everyone, welcome back or welcome to The Mound Visit, the catcher's only podcast show where we take a deep dive into the position of catching. This show and every show is presented to you by All-Star Sports, the number one brand for all your protective and catching needs. Move forward and rise above. I'm going to cut my intro short because it's been a minute since we've graced your airways. So in this episode, we take a deep dive into the Cincinnati Reds post-instructional league catcher's minicamp. On this show, we will hear from former major league catcher and current major league catching coach and third base coach for the Reds, J.R. House, bullpen catcher and assistant catching coach, Nate Irving, catching coordinator and former major league catcher, Corky Miller, former minor league catcher, translator, and coach, Julio Murillo. 2021 Reds first round draft pick, Matt Nelson. Chucky Robinson, Andrew Salcedo, Juan Garcia, Eric Yang, and Daniel Viejo. And a very, very special guest at the end, ladies and gentlemen. So let's get rolling. All right, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, buenos dias. It's a long welcome back here on the mound visit, and you all have been asking, and here we are delivering. We're back, and more shows are on the way. But first, we want to give our usual shout-out to our partners over at All-Star Sports. Christmas is on the way. What a better gift than a new set of catcher's gear? Or why, do, why not a new CM3000 MBK, the Martin Maldonado version? Martin is currently competing in the World Series and is a finalist for this year's Gold Glove Award. I would like to say hello to my co-host. He's a little bit straggling behind here, but... Uh, Chris, wherever you're at, uh, wish you well. Hope to see you on here soon. Um, all right, so this episode, we are taking a deep dive into the Cincinnati Reds Instructional League with a bunch of their coaches and a bunch of their minor league catchers. So let's get, get rolling. Thanks again, everybody. Uh, let's start with some intros first. Uh, let's start with our coaching staff. Thank you first, and, and I'm going to kind of introduce him, him and then he's going to give a little bit of background of who he is. So we're going to start with J.R. House. Jared House, former Major League catcher, and now the current Cincinnati Reds catching coach and uh, third base coach. So, Jr., if you want to take it away and give a little bit of background about yourself and, and then kind of pass the baton off to the next guy. Yeah, thanks. Um, this is a little bit different. It's kind of a, a catching roundtable. You know, we're having a catching camp. It's the first time that we've had it where it's just all catchers for a week. Um, they've, been, they've been battling pretty good. Um, we've been doing some off-field activities, a lot of on-field work, a lot of meetings, education, you know, just everything that we can to try to uh, make the development process as efficient as possible, close the loop and get them going. And um, I hope that they've liked it. You know, I mean, you can get their feedback in a little bit, um, but that's kind of this is the last day of camp. And we wanted to introduce kind of a media component to it. And what better way to do it than on the Mountain Visit uh, podcast. So uh, appreciate all that you do. And uh, for the catchers, just in general, and you know, I've listened to, I think, every single one of your um, episodes. So thank you and really do appreciate it. So, so, JR, I have to ask this one before we pass it off here. Okay, so we had Tucker Barnhart on the show. Um, you know, he won the gold glove last year. Awesome season, everything. So we got down the route of shoe game, right? And, and we were told by Tucker that you are a uh, guy that just – you know, I think I, I, I said to him at one point in time, I said, I swear I saw a picture of JR and he had Jordan 13s on. So I got to ask you, what, what pair of shoes are you wearing right now? 
Um, I think I'm a trout on right now. Uh, one, <laughs> one benefit of, of just being able to, to be um, around guys and make a whole lot of money and, um, you know, they, they provide a lot of those things for you, you know, so it's nice to, to befriend guys like Tucker who make sure that he always has me up to par as far as the shoe game. And uh, I got to give a lot of credit to him as well. Like he keeps me looking good. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Who wants to go next? Should we have, uh, should we have Corky go next? Go ahead, Corky. Yeah. I uh, appreciate you getting on and no shocker that Chris is late, but uh, hopefully you know. <laughs> uh, I'm going uh, next year will be my seventh year as the, the catching coordinator with the Reds. Um, next year I'll be my 21st year with the Reds uh, as a player and a coach. Um, we've got through an instructional league and, and JR put together a great catcher camp where we're out there, you know, pretty much all day, either either eating and having fun at the bowling alley, or, or throwing guys, uh, or throwing throwing the bases and hitting. Uh, it's been pretty cool. Uh, out in Arizona, they're doing a little bit of uh, overseeding, so we've been kind of swamped to one field, and uh, we we've made it work. So, and thanks to all the other coaches here, uh, I'll pass it off uh, to Nate. What's up, man? Uh, Nate Irving, I've been the, the Major League bullpen catcher uh, for the Reds the last three years, and then I assist JR with, with our catcher's development, and I've been assisting our hitting coaches with some development initiatives on, on that side as well. And uh, love your show and listen to it a lot. I actually gave a throwing presentation the other day and used, uh, used a couple of the clips from Tucker's episode with you guys uh, a year or so back. I remember listening to that back when, back in the quarantine time, I was driving <laughs> I think I was driving down from, from uh, Sedona or something like that. I was in the middle of the mountains and listening to that podcast. So uh, thanks for having us. Love what you do. And uh, ready to uh, have some good combo. Thanks, Nick. Nick, Nick should be Julio. Hi, Julio. Uh, yeah, Julio Mourinho, uh, development coach. Uh, it's, it's nice uh, to see you because a lot of these, uh, you know, Latin guys follow your content in Instagram. So it's yeah. like, you know, it's just the guy that posts my stuff on Instagram and said, I, I have made your hand right now with me. So it's kind of like, you know, <laughs> funny that, that you mentioned that to, to me. So we're like going through Instagram real quick. So uh, thanks for the opportunity. You know, my second year as a uh, development coach, you know, uh, was signed uh, in 2009 uh, by the Reds, free agent, come over the States, played for seven years, went to Cincinnati, worked on the office for four, and now... Now it's my journey now here, like helping these young catchers to get better. Awesome. Thank you. Who do we want to have go next? Hey, Robinson um, from Illinois. I, was, uh, I went to Southern Mississippi for three years. I was drafted by the Strokes in 16 and World 5 to the Reds uh, December of 2020. So I just finished up my first season with the Reds, first full season. Uh, I started in AA, finished in AA, and I'm liking it here. Awesome. Thank you. And Eric Yang. Uh, I'm Eric Yang. It's my third year with the Reds since 2019. I'm from Los Angeles and went to college at Santa Barbara for three years. Very next, good. Next week, Daniel. Uh, here, Daniel Berahim. I am from Colombia. I, I have 21 years old. And I signed with the United Reds to Zaysan 18. And I, I'm good for you here. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasure to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you. You're here. Good to meet you guys, too. 
Likewise. Hey, what's going on with the hand real quick, Daniel? I uh, broke my hammer bone. Oh, swinging too hard. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Andrew, Andrew Salcedo. Hey, my name is Andrew Salcedo. Uh, I am from Colombia. I know that. Just all 19. Mm. Where you play catcher in Arizona. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. I'm Matt Nelson. Uh, I played at Florida State for three years, and this is my first year with the Cincinnati Reds after being drafted in uh, 2021. Florida State, huh? Oh, yeah. And uh, how'd, you, how'd you like playing for Junior? I like playing for Junior. Yeah. He's a pretty cool guy. Decent guy. <laughs> I, I played against Mike long ago in college. It tells you how old I am. So, Juan Garcia, right. last guy. Hi, Go ahead, Juan. Juan Garcia. I'm from Colombia, 18 years uh, this is my first professional uh, my, my first professional uh, season and thanks for the time a lot of, you guys have a Colombian pipeline there it seems like yeah yeah <laughs> the three amigos yes we do it, it's it's got to be fantastic like when they go home that they're all together they can feed off each other. They can take their development aspect back home with them. So that's awesome. Oh, um, they really hate each other. I don't think that's <laughs> you're competing, right? That's right. All right. Well, let's let's do this. Let's let's dive into kind of like I know you, Jr. You gave a, a, a really good introduction as to kind of this catcher's camp, kind of throwing it together, putting um, the pieces in place um, for the guys. For the guys that just got into pro ball, actually, let's go around the room and just kind of give uh, everybody just a chance. What was your first thought of walking in in professional baseball, whether it was coming from college, high school, or, or you know, you're, you're a young international sign, whether you're 16 or 17 years old, what was your first, um, I guess, overall thought about, man, I'm, I'm, I'm here, I'm here. I think at that point in time, you realize that, you know, as a kid, you grow up, you have that, that mindset of I'm, I'm, I'm going to be a major league player when I grow up. And, and now the grind starts, uh, I guess, go around the room and just, I don't care who starts, but just kind of give us your, your first thought of when you, you entered into professional baseball, like, what was that feeling like? And then how's the grind been so far? So for me, Matt, uh, it's very like, it was very uh, similar to college in a way, but like coming in my first day, I thought uh, as if I was like a freshman on campus again, I walked back in, uh, didn't really know anyone, knew a few staff here and there. And at first, like you kind of just like, you're, you're trying to get your feet wet again, even though you just spent three years in college and you know, you could have been the big man on campus or you could have been the dude on your team that everybody looked up to. And now you're, in another environment where people know who you are, but you don't know who they are until you really get to know them. So it can be a little intimidating at times, but uh, after really getting to know uh, guys playing games and get to know the coaches and the organization, you start to realize it's the same environment that it is when you go to college. And everybody's the same person. Everybody's really cool. And they're just there to help you get better. 
Now, I'm going to throw you on the spot here real quick, Matt, just because you were a first-round draft pick this last year. You won the Johnny Bench Award, am I right, in, from college. Do you feel like there's added pressure on you right now? Uh, maybe the first, like, few moments that I was here, just because all that happened relatively quick because the draft got pushed later back and then all the awards came relatively in the same time. So maybe in that small little bit, in that small moment, yes. But at the same time, now that I am where I am right now, I don't even think about it. It's in the past. And like, I hate to say it this way, they're just dust collectors right now that I get to look at every single day when I go home. So it's cool. But at the same time, no, I wouldn't say now there's no added pressure. Yeah, what would you say is what would you say is different from catching in college to catching in pro ball right now? So in college, I didn't call my own game. The coaches would call their game. And pro ball, you call your own game because it's more of a developmental side of it, especially in the minor leagues. In college, the coaches get paid to win. So they're basically in control with that. And very, very few programs let their catchers call their own game. So that's been the biggest change for me so far. Chuck, Chucky, to follow up on Chris's question to Matt, do you feel like that was the same thing for you coming into to professional baseball? Yeah, You've been in here longer. Yeah, 100%. Um, in college, I think my junior year, I was able to, like, call pitches for, like, three guys. And then when I got to pro ball, um, I had the opportunity to work with a pretty good pitching coach, and he kind of took me under his wing and uh, helped me with my pitch calling a lot. Mm -hmm. And I've developed throughout the minor leagues and still developing – to this day on my pitch call. So how, how would you guys you, say that calling a game is different from from what they were calling in college or high school or um, compared to now having to kind of think a couple steps ahead, setting up hitters, watching tendencies, watching how they take the pitch, all stuff in game that you have to adapt to pitch to pitch. What was kind of the, the biggest, you know, the biggest difference with that? Um, Eric, you want to take that one? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Um, I was saying, thinking, uh, hitters up here just adjust a lot better than college. Obviously, like the pitchers you're working with have a lot better stuff, but the hitters also know what they're doing a little more. And it's also like I played at a West Coast school, so it was a different type of baseball than pro ball. A lot of you know, like bunts and small ball, um, just trying to cause havoc on the bases. So you had to work around that a little more compared to pro ball. You're solely focused on getting the batter out. Juan, uh, Daniel, um, who else did I did I miss in there from our, our Columbia connection? Um, Andrew. How, so you three, so coming into from, from you know, Columbia, international ball, where there's probably not so many coaches that are around to really guide you in that sense. So we're on this topic of game management, calling games. How have you guys adjusted to that? Whenever you're in here, I think you have a switch, switch your mind because in Latin America is, is more hard because you, you, are a, you are a kid, you're not a little guy. So you, you just have 16 years old when you sign and you have a big professional baseball player in your mind. 
quick. So uh, it's just your mind switch, your your uh, your body switch, uh, the train switch, all all of it switch. So it's just make adjustments quick because you ha you have a you are a kid. So it's my opinion. Very good. Yeah, he's saying that, you know, like obviously coming from Colombia, there's not many, like you said, there's not many coaches that have been around, you know, professional baseball, right? So as a kid, you're just trying to hit the ball hard, throw the ball hard, and that's it, right? So when you come over here, you know, now you have fundamentals to do. You have a place to be, right? So it's kind of like when I came over here, I just tried to copy the good things about, you know, the players and the coaches that helped me out so I can perform outside, right, out, out there. But always like believing on my abilities to play the game, uh, but also knowing that it's the small things in baseball, right? The fundamentals that I have to that I have to follow. I think that was for me is like the biggest thing, that the biggest jump from like coming from international to to pro baseball. I want to follow up too on this um, to to the international guys. Um, how how's how's the communication then? If you say you have a English-speaking, non-Spanish-speaking non pitcher, how is that, uh, how do you guys advising to communicate with one another? You know, are, are, are people picking up, are they trying to learn the language or is it just, are we gonna just have that barrier in between us? You know, they're saying, so instead of saying that, you know, like, obviously bullpens are, are great, right? Because like, you gotta catch American features and you know, at the beginning, in, in, he just speaks Spanish and, you know, hope that the American uh, pitchers uh, find, like, or learn a little bit or, like, know a little bit of Spanish so they can communicate, right? But after that, you know, like, with the time, you're forced to learn, to learn the language, right? Because you're here in the United States. Uh, now, uh, things in, uh, around the game, it's easier, right? Because it's like, you know, hey, you got to get over or, like, it's just easy things. It's just, like, sometimes when you need to talk to the pitcher about the signs, what signs he wants to use with runner on second, right? Like at the beginning, he said, he, I got I got crossed up quite a few times just, just because that, because I wasn't able to, to communicate with them, right? But like later on the year, I think I got better. Uh, you know, like I learned a little bit more English and then like I was able to communicate like what signs I want to use and like, you know, communicate a little bit more with, with, with the pitching staff. Yeah, we, I think we all speak the language of baseball, right? So. Yeah, and I'll, I'll add to that. This year we've done a, a really good job of not just making it, you know, Spanish learning English. We've done a lot of English to Spanish classes. Um, we've, we've had a good group of, of coaches and staff around here that are promoting both ways. And we would do a lot of our sign stuff with the man on second base in Spanish as well as in English so that we are getting crossed up and, and I think that that's kind of taken the turn last two years of, of allowing our English speakers to learn Spanish and communicate in Spanish. So then that gives them a little bit, you know, an, an easier time behind the plate instead of just having to learn English, learn the pictures, learn all this other stuff. So we, we've done a good job here um, trying to teach both of that. Very good. Very good. Um, I, I want to stick on, uh, not so much stick on this topic, but I want to stick with you, Corky, here. Um, so you played Major League Baseball. 
we played at a time where you're starting to see a lot of paradigm shift where we're quantifying strikes now. Uh, obviously the quality still needs to be there, but now catchers are getting graded, you know, at the major league level through the minor leagues all the way down. Uh, talking about, you know, positioning setups, uh, you're seeing a lot more catchers going to a knee um, for, if we watch the, the, the world series that's going on right now, Darno's on a knee hundred percent of the time. And, and Maldonado is changing stances, but he's obviously going on a knee. How has that adjustment been for you, for somebody that, and, and I don't want to use the term old school, but like, how does, how has that, has that been a challenge for you? Are you embracing it? Um, just, just curious from your perspective, from somebody that's been in the game as long as you have. Uh, yeah, we, we, you know, and JR's brought up a, a lot of good points about uh, holistic training, holistic catching, allowing us to do everything and, and promote the strengths of guys. You know, we have guys that are one knee 100% of the time. We have guys that, that don't go on a knee at all. And, and we use the numbers at the minor league level to decipher what is going to be best for that guy. If, if he's struggling at the bottom of the zone, we might – suggest, hey, you know, if you're going on one knee, you might have a better chance. If a guy throws really well, you know, we might say, hey, you you can upgrade your framing if you do this, and your arm is really good, so you, you don't necessarily need to cheat to throw. You know, and, and then vice versa, if a guy if a guy is pretty good at the bottom of the zone that's not on a knee, then, then we promote, hey, let's get in a better position to throw or block. Um, we, we try to be as well-rounded as we can here um, and, and we're going to exploit our strengths and we're going to make those the best things we do. And then our weaknesses are, our goal is to get our weaknesses above average any way we can in any stance, any throwing position, any blocking position. So we, we can frame, block and throw and, and, you know, present a good target for the pitchers to throw at. So you know, we're, we're all, I'm always about working with the pitchers, always working, we're working towards being better in every position. We have a lot, you know, saying around here, 1% a day. And, that, and that's, that comes from JR and, and, and DJ and, and guys like that, that really harp on just getting better every day. And if we have to change a stance, we will. And, and some guys buy into it, like Yang went to a total one knee stance and it's helped him. I mean, his, his framing numbers absolutely killed it from the year before. Um, and, and it works for him because his throwing kind of flows through there. Same with Chris Oakey. If he was here, he kind of went to a one knee stance and, you know, he kept his throwing the same, but he's got better at the frame. You know, Chucky, Chucky doesn't go to one knee a lot and, and he's, he's good at framing and blocking, you know, and he's got a cannon. So it's like whatever fits that person, we're, we're going to, promote that more instead of forcing guys to do stuff that they might not be comfortable doing. The answer to you guys, I mean, there's different variations, obviously, um, from going, whether it's right knee or left knee down. Is there a, a thing you take, take the kids aside and say, hey, we're going to try, you've never done this before, we're going to throw you on knee. What, what was kind of the process with saying, okay, instead of going left knee down, let's go with the right, um, because we might have better mobility out of it we might be able to block better you know what has been the kind of the discussions and with the guys too 
you know, if, if for those that have never done it before, the first time you're down, did you feel more comfortable on one side than the other? And are you able to use both of the stances, you know, alternate both sides throughout the games? Uh, well, I, again, it, it's whatever, whatever works with the guy, whatever is his hips might be better on one side than the other. He might be able to frame better from the left side with the right handed uh, slider. You might, you know, same with the lefty throwing full fastballs to that side. Um, you know, it's kind of, we're taking the approach of not, Hey, you got to do this, you know, and, and you, you guys know, like when, when somebody says, Hey, you got to go do this, you know, your first, your first instinct is to push back. So we right. kind of, we kind of, you know, put them in a spot going, Hey, try this one knee. And then they would go into it. And if it's not working, then we're as coaches are, Hey, maybe we're going to try this side. Hey, give me reasons. And it, it was the same thing with Tyler. I, Tyler Stevenson, I, I, you know, I had to tell him, give me reasons why you're doing this instead of just doing it because he's watched it or just doing it because we suggested it, you know, like, give me a reason why you're feeling it. That way, if you can feel it, then we can fix it as coaches here. You know, I'll let Yang uh, talk about it because he went from, from a squat to, a, a, you know, predominantly one knee. Yeah, so my whole thing was just – it was kind of like a last-minute decision to go to one knee. I, like spring training, I was doing both, and I just felt a lot more comfortable on one knee. So during the whole year, I would just play around with different stances. I was a little more comfortable with my receiving-wise with my left knee down, but <clears throat> blocking and throwing, I had to have my right knee down just because – that left foot was anchored so I could slide on the righty sliders. And then it was all, all about like looking at the numbers too. Julio texted me like a month or two into the season. It was showing me the numbers that I was way better receiving with a right-handed batter than a left-handed batter. And that was with no one on, I'd always go the left knee down. So then with a lefty hitter, I switched it where I'd always go right knee down. And the numbers went up. I think I was able to get better angles or something there that just made the numbers go up. So it was all about just trial and error, pretty much. So, so what I'm hearing is that the from, you know, Corky's conversation and then the talk about, you know, from you, Eric, there's a lot of emphasis put on the value of a strike. Uh, not to say that the other two don't matter when we talk about the big three. At the major league level, Nate and JR, how, how does that philosophy start there and does it trickle down to, to the catchers in the minor leagues? Or, you know, is there a Reds philosophy in terms of like this is our, our foundation, this is what our focus is? Um, again, going back into that, we quantify these things now. We're quantifying the strike. We're quantifying blocks. We're quantifying, you know, the, the run game, controlling it um, from both the pitcher and the catcher side. But are you saying that the value of the strike is number one and it's trickling down? Is that the philosophy that, that kind of the Reds are approaching with, along with probably a lot of the other major league teams? I'll start it and then I'll let Nate jump on yeah. it. Um, but for us, game calling is the number one thing. So like leading a staff that, that goes in with game 
calling, right? Like, I don't think there's anything that has any more value in this game than having a good game caller behind the plate, someone that can actually lead the staff, be the dude that they love. Um, I think that is totally undervalued, and it's what we're trying to build here. We're trying to build frontline guys. Frontline guys can do that. That's that's number one. So then we go into receiving and framing. You know, you can call it whichever one you want to. We feel like that is number two, and that would be the value of a strike. You know what you're what you're talking about, and I'll let Nate go into that. Um, the next would be blocking. And then throwing would be last and then offense after that. Even though I know you need to be able to hit, um, we're going to do all the defensive categories first. And then um, hitting would be last on our priority. Um, and Nate can talk about, um, as far as from a framing aspect, receiving some of the stances and how we get the objective data and, and figure out what works best for each guy. Yeah, so just on, on that topic of like holistic catcher development, obviously our, our ability to, to, to work with the staff to make relationships with the staff. All of that stuff is extremely important. It's something that, that JR has made an emphasis on. It's something that Corky has done an amazing job with these guys on. Um, and Tyler Stevenson is a great example of that in his development and maturation over the last couple of years. Um, in terms of like the, the value of a strike for us, it's the, the value of a strike is only as good as how we know we can achieve it, if that makes any sense. So we can only continue to earn strikes and, and continue to increase our value of earning strikes if we understand what's allowing us to do it. And so from a physiological side, whether it's understanding how our hip mobility affects how we squat and how we squat affects our stability in the squat and how our stability in the squat affects how our glove moves. So it's a holistic style of like understanding the processes that allow us to have success. Um, from the throwing and blocking side, the, the same thing kind of applies where if we can understand what we can control and what we can grow and what we can, can build and all that stuff, now we have an understanding of what we really um, can get better at and what we can get, can increase our value in. Um, and that's everything from understanding a game plan to uh, understanding, you know, our throwing programs and how we can take advantage of our throwing programs. Also, shout out to uh, Mike McGinnis and Connor McGinnis and Clean Fuego. They sent us a little picture package and we're, uh, we're really excited to use the Clean Fuego uh, in some of our catchers throwing programs. <laughs> this so I figured I'd throw that in there. With yeah, no, no, that's um, good. Uh, yeah. I, love them. I was going <laughs> to ask you about them. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so, I mean, from the throwing side, we, we've done a lot of work in, in that realm um, of basically understanding the, the value of, of not only just 90 feet in general, um, but the value of velo, the value of throw below. And for the most part, we can understand that, you know, if a, if a pitcher can throw from 95 from a set position with a slide step and a short arm action, then a catcher can probably get pretty close to, to maximizing his velocity from behind the plate as well if we can understand where those things come from. So kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's all encompassing. And, and these guys have done an amazing job of kind of grabbing the bull by its horns and, and getting, be getting, getting better and getting after it um, in every single way that they possibly can. That's huge. I like that. Um, I want to go into, so we're talking about, you know, you, you gave the shameless plug to clean Flago, which is awesome. I use them all the time as well with my catchers uh, just to show rotation spin. Um, and get that extra flick on the, on, on the fingertips there. Um, going around the room here, um, maybe some unique drills that have been implemented into your guys' training, whether it would be even from college or from what you guys did back home um, in Columbia. Mm -hmm. Go around the room here, or maybe in this instructs, or maybe in spring training, give us a, a unique drill or something like that. Maybe elaborate on it too. What, what you liked about it, something that you add into like an absolute's, 
on a daily basis of your training regimen. Go ahead, so Eric. One, one thing I started doing uh, like about halfway through the year was I would throw my plyos out of one knee just to work on the transfer. I'd only do it with the, the blue ball after I did like the pivot picks, rollings and all that. But then uh, Kyle Bodie suggested he's just like throw it out of your stance. So I just started throwing them from one knee and that helped a lot. Awesome. Uh, one thing for me that helped a lot was uh, kind of halfway through the season, uh, Corky came into town and uh, I was kind of cutting my cutting myself off and just kind of taking my like my um, my throwing like just playing my catch throw a little more seriously and uh, paying attention to the small details and making sure like my front foot was land, landing open and that kind of opened me up and, and made everything work a little bit more smoothly. So just taking like the small things and you know practicing uh, practicing a little bit more better. You know, very good. I would say the same thing pretty much as Chucky. You know, I kind of had that issue a little bit. Or uh, when I would start long tossing, when I would crow hop, my back foot would come behind my front foot. So it was more so taking a step in front of it as if you were catching and making it more simulate like it is in game speed. Or not really game speed, but game feel. Um, that's more so new that I've learned this year. But drill-wise or anything like that, like nothing serious other than like maybe like a – a count drill like so your fingers are like one two three four and like whoever's like flipping balls you it's like they say a number as soon as they flip and you have to catch it with that finger just kind of like something to get the brain moving a little bit i guess very good it's interesting anything from the colombian connection i think for me it's real reality because it's similar to the game so uh is it helped me three because I need before the game I need three three ready or oh, I need reactions. Uh, so I need reaction or three for the game before the game because it's I'm ready for for the game. Very good. I'll add in one little one little nugget. Um, yeah. Something that, that we started to do at the major league level, and that Corky's done an amazing job of incorporating with these guys at the minor league level, is um, taking all of the different modalities and tools that we have available to us from a throwing side and using them to our advantage, whether it be pitchers' tools or infielders' tools or outfield, whatever it may be. Um, and so we kind of started to devise throwing programs for the off seasons um, of these guys like Tucker and Tyler Stevenson, Kirk Casale, um, and we broke it up into two different sections. One basically the throwing process because good throwers are good throwers and throwing is the same no matter what position you're at and then being able to understand the squat to throw pattern and how that affects what we can do from a throwing biomechanic side um, and so it's been really cool and, and these guys have taken a hold of it um, and they can maybe speak to like how they how, how they felt with the incorporation of a lot of this these plyo drills and different drills but um using everything that we have to our availability to, you know, increase the velo that we can produce with our body just from a, a pure throwing perspective, but then understanding um, and programming different drills or, or different setups or environments or whatever it may be to just give us some self-awareness and some feel of how we're getting out of our squad into our throwing pattern and stuff like that. So um, from the throwing aspect, that's been a big focus of ours over the last couple of years is really understanding everything that, go, that goes into it and then understanding how we can train it to the best of, best of our ability and to get these guys, you know, get the most out of their bodies. Awesome. 
JR, I want to I want to throw this back at you now. So I saw, I think it was during spring training or towards the end of spring training, you guys did your catchers Olympics. Can you kind of describe to us what what's all involved with the catchers Olympics, like some of the sure. drills and stuff? Were you were, yeah. by the way, were you in a, a a unique outfit? Were you in like a referee outfit? I think I saw a video. <laughs> yeah, so we, we changed the name of it to like uh, American Gladiators. Yeah, so we all kind of wore like. American Gladiator outfits, you know, we have a, uh, we have a video guy slash, uh, advanced scouting guy. Um, and he, he's maybe a hundred pounds soaking wet. You know, <laughs> we had him in the tightest little leotard. It was, it was pretty tremendous. Um, <laughs> but we just tried to match like the different skills, uh, from catching and like take the theme of American Gladiators and just make it intense, you know, and then, and keep track of, um, who the winners were, make it timed, uh, make it difficult, you know, challenge them and then make it fun, you know, and kind of put on a show. Like we brought the, uh, some cameras out there to watch and uh, the guys just enjoyed it, you know? So it's something that we try to do every now and then, you know, just to, to make sure that we're doing new things and keep it, keep it going. But at the same time, it, it, it helps them to get better and they like it and we enjoy it. We got what we got one today. We got one today. You do. Yeah. The American Gladiator costumes will not be making an appearance. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Nate, do you ever get involved with this? We had a um, guy by the name of Craig Driver, who's a uh, coach for the uh, Chicago Cubs right now. But when he was the bullpen catcher for the Phillies, he said he would participate in a lot of the drill stuff with the catchers. Do you ever uh, participate at all? Um, the, the participation in the drills, uh, not so much, but obviously uh, I've, I've been in the bullpen for the last few years. So um, it's actually been a really, really cool experience because anything that's, you know, anything that I would suggest to Tucker or Tyler or Kurt, um, I, I had to kind of beta test beforehand with their, <laughs> with, but with their physiological capabilities in mind too. So understanding that Tucker's a really mobile dude. Um, mm -hmm. And so what he can do with his body may be something that I can't do with my body. And Tyler and Kurt being, you know, bigger dudes, um, what they're able to do with their body can be different from somebody else. And so it's been really cool to kind of be both on the development side, but also still have the ability to like get back there and put the gear on and, and really be able to beta test all, all the things that we're doing uh, for their benefit so that they know that whenever, you know, we suggest something or whether there's that where, whenever there's a conversation, it's been completely thought out and thought through. And it's also been tested to make sure that, you know, their health, uh, their careers are all taken into account too. Well, let me, let me guys ask you this. I mean, I, I played with Corky and Corky, you know, throughout a ton of, ton of base runners, um, very solid defensively. Corky, do you ever, you ever show off with the kids like spring training here? You know, you're not doing it right. Let me just show you how it's done. You know, I can't, I can't anymore. Everything hurts. So bad. The kids take. We do use his video. Seriously? Though, he was playing. Dude, you get. Yeah. You guys got all the you got get all your trainers down there and to get your bodies in tip top shape. How how is the uh, from a training aspect? I mean, when we were playing, when you go into spring training, you really wouldn't go into the training room unless you were hurt. But now with um, you know you, you got a, a ton of different people on staff. Um, you mentioned the stance are going to basically depend on the individual how flexible they are. What type of program do you guys have? to increase hip mobility and to get the kids more flexible in their lower half in order to have them perform at a higher level? Uh, there's a couple questions there. First, we'll go to S&C strength conditioning. Um, I work really closely with those guys and 
in spring training, we have the catchers come out first and do hip mobility almost every day before we do anything. And it, it's, there's a basic package, but then there's also extra that we need when some guys, you know, the testing now is a lot different than it was back then. We have a lot of um, resources available to, to test hip mobility, to, to test hamstrings, te test arms, everything that we can test. You know, so if, if strength conditioning is, is worried about something, um, then they, they'll come to me. If I say, hey, I, I, he's not getting into a stance that, that is going to benefit him, then we work out a plan for him to do. Um, going off with the, the, the trainers, um, the train room has changed a little bit. Like we use that as, as a recovery place as well with um, – some of some of the stuff that we have we have the whirlpools here you know it's not you know three guys sitting in a cold tub in the back of the locker room like it used to be you know we got full-size 12-man you know hot tubs and cold tubs that they can go do and then um what, what's the their things that we do the normatex i mean that's a big thing for our catchers and, and their legs um you know we want every guy in here to play 100 games uh and to do that, there's more, more stuff we can do to prolong their their uh, lower bodies, whereas the upper body. But there's just a lot of a lot of different things that that have come around, and you know we we talked about going in the training room, and and you know if you went in the training room when me and you played, it was like hey you're shut down a week. Now you know I, I'm in constant communication with those guys, and I sit with them every morning, and if there's anything going on, we try to get those guys back on the field as fast as we can. Yeah, I think it was uh, Jose Trevino's um, episode where he talks about if he could tell someone or go back, you know, what would he do as a younger kid or younger draft guy? And it was, you know, invest in these type of modalities, right? Invest in something that is going to help you stay on the field. Um, and I think that's extremely important. And I think that's right. And um, they should do that for sure. Definitely. Um, so we were talking, Chris was talking about emulating you know, Corky and throw and you guys watching video just to go around the room here. Was there any catcher in particular as you were growing up that you tried to emulate your, your game after or somebody that's, that's in the league right now? I mean, you guys got two fantastic catchers at the major league level to, to kind of model your game after. Now everybody's different, but is there something that you take away from, Hey, this is the, the guy that I watched when I was a young kid. Uh, and then now I'm, I'm focusing on this. I want to try to do this and, and, and make it my own or what? So I guess the first question of that is, was there somebody that you emulated growing up in, into your catcher game? Some of you guys might have even converted to catcher. So uh, you had to learn it pretty quickly. So if we can go around the room there and just kind of give I us think I think most of, most of the guys that we've talked to, whether they're um, – I mean, most of the big league guys have typically started off as shortstop. So how many, how many guys in the room – you know, actually started off as shortstops, whether it was in little league, high school, and then you decided you didn't feel like you wanted to run as much, so you converted into a catcher. Right. You got a linebacker count, though. Well, go, go ahead and tell us who you are and started as a catcher, or excuse me, a shortstop or an infielder. Go ahead. Eric, you raised your hand, right? Yeah, I was playing short and third all in high school, and then uh sophomore junior year in high school i started catching but i'd always just go back and forth in between the two just depending on the day and like the team's needs uh 
Matt, when I was uh, growing up, I played like every position. I used to pitch a lot too. And nobody really wanted to catch when I was younger. So I got back there and I fell in love with it um, until high school. And then once I got into high school, well, no, when I got to high school and I started catching every single game, I think there's only seven innings in high school that I didn't catch because I pitched in those games um, just because we didn't have another catcher. But growing up through like travel ball and stuff, we had a ton of catchers. So I'd play a lot of shortstop and third pace. And when I was really young, a guy that I would try to emulate would be Deonor Navarro growing up from Tampa. And then my body type started to look like Deonor Navarro. So <laughs> then I got rid of that and started to become my own little self. So he wasn't he wasn't a catcher. He was a it was a, when he was a kid, like six, seven years old. He they let him umpire one game. It was the umpire. He was a catcher. So that's how he started. He said, oh, I wasn't on fire. I wasn't even playing baseball. So he said, like, oh, this is pretty cool. So I'm gonna be a catcher. Oh, that's great. So he said that, you know, in Colombia, everybody wants to be the outfield or the pitcher because these the guys who have the baseball most of the time, right? But like as you get older, you gotta choose. You gotta pick. Like, okay, what do you wanna? What do you wanna? What do you wanna play? So that's why I start like, okay, then like, let me let me catch, and that's how Juan started catching. Yeah. Chucky, uh, I was shut behind the dish because I was fat. <laughs> I was a big chunky kid, and they threw me back there, and then it kind of stuck. I love. I fell in love with it, and both my both my dad and my grandpa both caught too, so that kind of helped. Yeah, and then uh, growing up, I like watching Benito Santiago because he had a hose, and I like the way he played the game. Very good. Did we miss anybody? Daniel, did you go? So I said one day I was a utility guy, utility kid. You know, I was a chore guy. I was kind of like, you know, chubby as well. I couldn't run. So like, you know, one time, and you know, they needed a catcher in the games, and I went out to catch. And that's when the scout told me, hey, man, you got the ability to catch. So I started catching every, 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 every time since. You know, like, it, it, and they write about this and, and you know, and like, nobody in Latin America wants to catch. Like, I don't think nobody wants to catch. They, even the greatest catchers were forced to catch. They just didn't want to catch, you know? And then, like, obviously, like, when you start doing that, they always like need a catcher somewhere. And then you start going to these travel teams and now you go into these winter wool leagues or teams just to go catch pens. But so in winter wool, that was my first year of winter wool. So I So even before I say Daniel, even before like even before like uh I was a sign as a pro, I was in winter bowl catching uh bullpen catcher in winter bowl. The guy that was everyday catcher, right, got put in the 40 minutes on the team, told them, you cannot play anymore. So that team, that team didn't have more catchers. <laughs> and they just signed the bullpen catcher. And then, yeah, hey, Daniel, you got to go play the next day. So we went from being the bullpen catcher to a professional baseball catcher. Learn on the job. Learn on the job. How about, how about Nate and JR and Corky? How about you guys? Let's hear from you guys. 
So I, I, on that one, I always wanted to be like Corky Miller because of Kiss. <laughs> uh, but Dude, and, I got it. Corky had the best handlebars, mustache, slash goatee, like ever. I, when I first met him and, and came over there in '99, when I was with the Reds briefly, you know, Corky's he had like the five o'clock shadow. He had these big handlebars coming. He looked like a version of Mike Piazza, you know, and just was. Uh, I remember seeing him like, God, the guy looks like he's 35 years old. And he, I think you were what, Cork, about 23, 24 at the time? I, I was 35 for 20 years. <laughs> <laughs> We had a, an issue in 2019 where we had a couple of guys go down with concussions, pulling oblique, uh, and we're, we're at Wrigley Field, and, and we don't have a catcher, like, at all. And we were really contemplating signing Nate, having him go out there and make a start for us. Like, it was, oh, it wow. was close. I mean, it was, I didn't know what we were going to do. Uh, luckily, <laughs> they uh, kind of avoided some traffic. We had a guy flying from AAA, and he made it there within, like, I don't know, 20 minutes before game time, but we were we wow. were sweating it. It was it was tough. Uh, they weren't sweating. I was sweating. <laughs> I was I didn't have I didn't have spikes. I was like, uh, that was a great day. That was a great day. <laughs> How about you though, Nate? Did did you uh, emulate anybody growing up or somebody that you watched? Or I mean, I, I grew up in New York City. Um, you know, I, I late nineties, early two thousands, kind of like when I really started to like watch and get into uh Baseball and also the Yankees and Mets were really good at that time. So I, I was blessed to be able to grow up in a city that had Jorge Posada and Mike Piazza and um, guys that, that not only played the game uh, a certain way, but guys that did everything really, really well. You know, they, they, they worked with the pitching staff. They threw guys out. You know, framing wasn't necessarily quantified back then, but you could see them working to earn strikes for their pitchers at the same time. Um, and so for me, it was, it was just kind of like there. And I think that's probably one of the things that made me gravitate towards catching. I, I also think there, there might be a little bit of a, a theme going around here with guys who are a little bit on the, uh, the bigger side when we were kids we all got behind the plate. Um, but I think that sometimes, you know, that, that's sometimes part of it where, you know, you might be directed in a certain way and, and you kind of take hold of it and, and, uh, make it your own thing. I'll finish up. I, I think I started catching at eight, and I've been trying to get out of it for the last <laughs> 40 years. It just never worked out that way. I mean, I tried out for my high school team at second base and center field. I, I was the skinny kid in high school. That's why I'm so big now. But I tried to be – I wanted to be center fielder. I wanted to be second baseman. I wanted to dive, and my coach said, hey, don't you catch? And I'm like, uh, yeah, a couple times. But I – I think growing up in, in Little League, I was catching almost, you know, every weekend. And I, I never really got a chance to do anything else. But, you know, it's, that was the way I was built. You know, I, I got a lot of pitchers when I'm 8, 9, 10, 11, you're 12 years old and my catcher's here. And that's, I guess, where I landed. Awesome. Yeah, I, I remember watching you, Corky, growing up. And, um I just loved your setup and, and everything. And I wasn't as flexible as maybe Nate is. I've watched Nate and seen how much he can move. He looks like Gumby in some of the videos and stuff that I've seen. But, uh, no, I loved watching you play. Thank um, you. Uh, kind of moving forward, what's the, what's the outlook look like for you guys going in? You know, you're going into kind of an offseason. Will some of you guys go play winter ball? 
Um, you know, Matt, you kind of get in here a little bit later, like you said, from the draft and everything. What, what are the next steps um, going forward with you guys? Uh, so I was here for Instructs. Um, so that was the next step after the season ended. Instructs ended earlier this week, and we had this catching camp. So once this is over, I'll go back home and I'll start my offseason. Yeah, me. I'll start my I'll start my off season. Uh, probably hit, hitting the weight room pretty good, and then slowly start working working in my baseball specific things. Start getting my arm back in shape. Um, start start hitting more and start doing all my catching stuff. Before somebody else goes, I want I want to ask a quick question. Um, following up like with with you, Chucky, um, and everybody else here. Long seasons. Right. So, Matt, you played a, a full season in, in college and then going into instructional league, like you said, and then the catcher's camp. How how often do you guys or how long do you guys take off throwing? Because I know that's a lot of throws that you're making. And when do you pick that up? Like you said, Chucky, you're kind of starting to pick that up there soon. What's wh I know there's probably not a specific date, but do you guys just digress and just let everything just kind of relax for a few weeks or what like how soon do you start your throwing programs or anything like that once you're done yeah i feel like this season's a little different because we we finished up a little later than normal but normally i'll, I'll shut down i'll just shut my arm down for maybe like a month month and a half and, and give it a rest because i've been throwing for a while and then gradually just kind of work back into it yeah i, I would agree with that statement too um i would say more so back home when guys start asking to throw and say like, Hey, you know, I'm going to start hitting throw bullpen soon or whatnot is more so when I would really start my throwing program too, or get my arm back in shape. And just more so like, because now I'm kind of banking on them, like, Oh, well they're throwing. So I need to start going and stuff like that. So I just kind of let things go off on their own way a little bit. I can comment just briefly on uh, like the programming side that, that, um, we've kind of incorporated into the aspects of, of the catching department. Like, so these guys uh, will leave here with the first month of the throwing program. Um, and it's devised through, um, you know, the driveline method, but catchified. And we, we've taken some of the drills and figured out how they could be specifically applied to catchers. Um, and there's no dates on it. And so they have the ability to uh, start and pick up a ball when they feel, when they feel ready. Uh, but in those kinds of programming, um, we've also incorporated stuff from the functional range conditioning program um, and being able to, to utilize things like control articular rotations to basically increase the joint capacity while they're also recovering from the season so that when they do start their throwing program, there's no loss of range of motion. There's no kind of like greasing the joints again, but their bodies are, are primed and ready to be able to, to you know, go through the movements and the, and the challenges of, of starting a throwing program and beginning their offseason from that standpoint. So that's kind of how we've attacked it from like a uh, coaching and development side and then these guys have done an absolutely unbelievable job of uh of taking that stuff and, and putting it to use excellent so i got a I got a quick question so for starters i think catchify just became a new hashtag like that. that's awesome i'm going to use that later today um secondly with the clean fuegos there obviously we can talk about different training devices there's a shitload of stuff out there for catchers right now what do you guys use as far as any type of training tools, as far as training gloves or, or any other equipment? I know, oh, uh, uh, who are we talking to, Tyler? One time, I think it was Austin Hedges was telling us that in his off season, he was at the hardware store 
and bought the knee pads that you would see roofers wearing because they were super padded. And he's like, that's what I use for my blocking routine during the off season. But do you, what type of training gloves do you guys use or do you not use them or? Uh, we use like the, what's it called, Valero? Yeah, the heavy uh, weighted glove. Yeah, there, we got like a lot of mini gloves, like weighted glove, and then just a regular small one. Uh, what's, there's some like without the web in it. Equalizer. Equalizer, yeah. Yeah, we got all types of different gloves. I wouldn't go near the equalizer. <laughs> That's the only one I, I'm, I'm scared to use that thing. <laughs> What about JR? You guys use the keyhole keyhole at all down there? JR just stepped out for a second, but I, I can speak on the fact that if, if if there's something out there that we think can help these guys and, and can create a feel for these guys or can create some self-awareness in that in that development process, we'll use it. It doesn't is a good example. So uh last spring training, um, we would have a, a football day, a football throwing day uh, for the catchers. And I was scouring Amazon one day and I found one pound weighted footballs. I got a two pounder uh, here. Wow. Yeah. 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 The only problem with the, the heavier ones is that they're rubber. So like you can't yes. even grip them. So uh, that's just one, one little thing. Like we, we, we did like a couple of days of football throwing. So just like we would do our progression with plyos and weighted baseballs, we went from like a one pound, a one pound football to a regular football to a, a weighted baseball to a regular baseball. So just kind of, again, with the holistic style of training development, um, just taking advantage of everything we have available to us. Oh, and yeah. the Plagos. Oh, we, we, we got a little guest. We got a little guest. No way. Wow. I don't know if you guys know. Shameless plug right here. Let's let's get him on. This is this is awesome. The king of Juco. Right here's good. Yeah. yeah. The fuck is up, boys? <laughs> good lord. We got the king of Juco. The king of here. Juco has entered the podcast. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you, you were a pitcher, but you were a catcher before you were a pitcher. That is true. Hey, that's my that's my number one position. I just sucked at hitting, which is why I got uh, they made me a pitcher basically. They're like, you don't pitch and you're you're done. Like, All right, fuck it, let's do it. Uh, but yeah, man, catching still oh my, my shit. Um I had a, I actually got a brand new gear that got sent to me just for this. So um pretty excited. That's awesome. Hey, hey, we got we got Eric Sim on here. Eric, please just you don't need an introduction, but just say hello. What's going What's on with your uh, with teacher man? Hey man, that motherfucker got my Twitter account banned, dude. Like shit, I got shit back. Uh, just, uh, just all I said was, hey, like just let me know where you live. I was just like, you know, I'll come see you. Maybe we can do live ABs, and then uh, your boy got us suspended, which is fine. I'll probably make another account. It's my third account anyway, so it's fine. I get it what it is. But sometimes, you know, there's jabronis, like, you gotta let them know, you know? So, and I'm willing to take that risk to get suspended for the for the people. So, fuck me. <laughs> That's awesome. This dude. is awesome. Well, we have, yeah, we, we, we just special guest here, Eric Sim, on the, on the podcast right now. We're on the Mound Visit podcast, Eric. So, thanks for dropping oh, in. This shit. is awesome. <laughs> you just talking about too many or whatever. No. <laughs> Well, it is. I mean, it's a catcher's yeah, podcast. Yeah, He's yeah, welcome. Sure edits, um, you know, if you want to get monitored or whatever, yeah, I'm, I'm not your guy. But hey, it is what it is. I got a great story for you now that now, now that Sims here. Hey, no, we we treat we treat the show like it's a like it's a locker room. So sit around in your 
in your chunkletas and your sliding shorts and you're good let's to go. go that's what i'm good at you know so let's do it i was with the d-backs in, in i think it was either 2014 2015 we were playing okay. at the at the giants place yeah at the giants old mining facility they have a bullpen where there's like 10 mounds right yeah so i wasn't catching that day and sim had just pitched the day before and i remember to this day you were like gosh you guys had all of my stuff. Like I got knocked around. You guys were on my fastball. You yeah. guys were on my slider. I don't know what. I don't know. I felt great. I don't know what happened. And I turned to turned to Eric and I was like, "Listen, man, you were tipping everything you threw." Yeah, it didn't really turn out great. Let me just end up there. Hey, now uh, we're both here. So hey, we're now we're both here. We're both washed out. Let's fuck it, buddy. You know, whatever. <laughs> Hey, Eric, I got to ask you a question. Did uh, did your boy actually ever catch the ball that you're hitting with the wiffle balls, with the blitz balls? Not yet. Uh, we actually tried that yesterday, too. Uh, we're very close. At, we're tipping the glove right now. So we're, we're getting closer. I'm actually getting better at hitting them, too, like, which, is, which is great. I'm getting better. You know, it's something. But I got to he's like, gotta go with, he's gotta go with big glove, dude. Rip them as hard as I can, and then uh, they try to catch it. Um, he got hit last time on the shoulder. I'm like, just man the fuck up and catch it. You know, that's what we're going to do. That's what we're here for. You got to do whatever it takes for content, you know? So, Chucky's going to take on that drill today. Let's go. You ready? <laughs> Russell, oh, my God. He's like, what the fuck? What do you mean? I'm <laughs> <laughs> Eric question here Eric give us the outside of the blitz ball receiving drill right what's the dumbest drill you've done from a catching perspective I've done a lot of dumb shit of course uh, especially in college <laughs> and shit like that you know like coaches will just make you do shit for no reason um yeah I remember one time in college like we'll uh we're just doing like a regular receiving drill and just uh coaches like I don't like you guys, so just go to pair crawl to the fucking right field line, come back, left field line, come back. We did that 10 times and we all threw up, and uh, that was the drill. <laughs> <laughs> that was the drill. I was like, the like, whole of this drill was to make us throw up. That's, 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 that's fucking great, dude. I appreciate it. Um, but yeah, man. How is your, how is your shoulder not falling off with all the shit that you've thrown? I've seen pineapples and kettlebells. Kettle, and kettlebells, yeah. I've thrown a lot of dumb shit. I don't know how I'm still throwing. What was one? Uh, I think you threw a chair, you know. I threw a chair, I threw golf clubs, I threw fucking, you know, <laughs> I threw a shoe, like I threw everything. I threw, you grab me something, I'll probably throw it. If you're like, hey, just throw as hard as you can, I'm like, all right, let's fucking do it. Um, but yeah, but that's why I'm always kind of fucked up right now. But uh, I'm just good. We're going to do some uh, catch and throw, right? We're going to do the throws at second base or something like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Hey, so good throwers are good throwers. Man, good. No matter what's in the hand. Just do it. Just fucking grab something and throw as hard as you can. That's what I do. Um, but yeah, man, it's, it's been good. Uh, my arms actually. Fine, like of course when I threw kettlebell, I couldn't throw anything with the months. Like oh, that was bad. I couldn't wipe my ass actually. I literally, I you know, like when you're wiping, you gotta like go in there. I couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. So I had to do it left-handed. I'm like, dude, this is not gonna get the job done, you know. But it is what it is. You shower after, you're you're chilling. You know, hey, hey, I don't want to share this right now, but I'm gonna share. Hey, passive range lift off and shoulder extension. We can train that. We can train that. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. I'm down. Oh my gosh. Yeah, this is unbelievable. <laughs> you got to go plyo ball to second base. Plyo ball. Green plyo ball to second base. Can you do it? Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's, do it. Yes. Let's, it. let's go. Let's fucking go for the people. 
Uh, if I get a surgery, I'm gonna charge you guys. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna pay for my DJ. I got a waiver for everything. Yeah. We're waiver. We're We're chilling. You guys have that waiver? We are signing a waiver right now so that nobody can be charged. Oh, I, I thought it was like joking, and then he came up like, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's a fair assessment when Sims in here. Like, so if I'm going to do some stupid, he could probably get hurt. You know, what's today's date? I don't know the date. So I, I'm going to throw this out real quick because I've I've done this with long tossing with some of the um, some of the kids over here where we started to use softballs. Um, so, Eric, throwing the softball, I think you threw like 82 miles an hour or something like that. Yeah, 84, when, you and, uh, when you and that little lady uh, friend of yours were doing the throws down to second yeah. with softball, what did you find that was a, was a lot different than throwing a baseball? Uh, definitely the grip for sure, because the ball itself is definitely bigger. Um, so I was grabbing like a, like a baseball, um, like, and, and then my hands decently sized big and I was doing that, but I was cutting everything. So like, and Paige kind of showed me the stupid fucking softball grip and I started doing it and it was more straight. So I'm like, let's do it. Let's just do that. So I grabbed like almost like right here, but I made sure like I was uh, staying inside right here. So that I'm not, I'm not like cutting everything. I was like more here. Um, and then it was going decently straight and I got to 84. So, I mean. You know, 84 is gas. <laughs> that's, that's great. <laughs> Let's right, go fellas, with that. We gotta we gotta wrap this thing up. Um, no problem. Get on the field and get after it. Anything? Let's go. Questions? Do you guys want to ask real fast? No, this has been fantastic. This is unique and, and a lot of fun. And uh, no, we appreciate you guys' time. Um, every every little thing uh, from information, and then obviously the drop in from the King of JUCO here has been unreal this is awesome so pleasure guys it's it, it was an honor and, and pleasure to have you guys on the show and um get after it right yeah thanks for getting us out of bed we haven't been able to do a show in a while just because of our our schedules and the season and everything so this is it's a lot of fun if any of you guys want to come on uh go ahead and just send us a message and you know we'll pretty much what we'll be doing up until spring training so um, anytime anyone wants to talk catching, just feel free. Give us a shout and uh, let's do it. Hey Sim, what's your new uh, what's your new Twitter handle? Hey, I try to make another account, and then I think they banned my uh, IP address, so um, it got it got banned right away. Um, so I need to figure out like some kind of VPN, some kind of back way. You know, I'll figure it out. I'll let you guys know. But well, right we now, follow you on Instagram, right? Yeah, I'm just well, on I'm Instagram. on TikTok. I'll shoot him a I'll, I'll shoot him a little message yeah, yeah. on TikTok just today. Let too. me know whatever and we can link up and I'll hop on whenever you guys need help. Just let me know. Perfect. Sounds like a plan. Guys, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Thank you. Appreciate Appreciate you guys. Good luck, guys. Best of luck to you.